Hello, and welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, where we reevaluate a film's critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes and determine if the movies are better or worse than their reputation suggests. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. And I am Rich Tola. All right, and I picked the movie this week and uh, for one of our last episodes of season one, and I kind of did the, uh, the route that you took, Rich, with Indiana Jones 4 um, by picking a movie that is critically acclaimed, critically certified, uh, fresh, and it's a movie that I've seen a few times now over the years, three or four times over the past uh, 20 years or so. And I end up feeling about the same way every time. The movie is True Romance, 1993, uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. Had you seen or heard of this movie before, Rich? Um, no, I haven't seen or heard of this movie before, um, surprisingly, because... Based off the mm. cast and you know Quentin Tarantino writing it, you would think I have at least heard of it, but honestly, I mm-hmm. haven't. And I, you know, I am a Quentin Tarantino fan, so uh, I am surprised that I didn't even know this movie existed. Um, wow. But what I am curious about with you picking this movie is, um, you know, it's it's easy to want to watch a film that we like that critics hate, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit more of a different scenario when we choose movies that critics like and we don't like because it means we have to watch the movie and why would we want to watch a movie we don't want like so for me with indiana jones i was very passionate about not liking that movie because i like the other one so much so what is it about this movie that made you want to pick it uh knowing that you'd have to watch a movie that you don't care for okay three things i have three uh answers to that question right there one um, I was talking about this with a friend, uh, trying to decide what to watch, because uh, I was having trouble, and, you know, we both, Rich and I have talked, we both have a list of comedies or movies that, you know, we could do at any time and just pull them out, and I was talking to a friend, and I was like, what would be a good one to do? And he just started naming movies that he wanted me to talk about, whether <laughs> they were fresh or not. He didn't care. He's like, ah, he didn't know, that he didn't, or I explained the rules to him, but he didn't care. So he was just naming stuff. And then he named this one, and I saw it was, I believe, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, holy cow, really? So that's one factor. So kind of a friend recommendation, sort of. Uh, you know, obviously I made my decision and there was other movies I was contemplating. Um, I was looking for a big summer blockbuster to do, uh, like, like, you know, we did with Waterworld and Con Air, trying to keep that theme going because we're Mm -hmm. getting into summer blockbuster season now. Uh, but I just couldn't, you know, everything I was thinking about, ooh, maybe it's rotten, it was actually fresh. So I wasn't, you know, I was striking out on that avenue. Um, the other reason why I think is because... You know, there's got to be movies out there, Rich, where you can relate to, where everyone you know seems to like this movie, and you're just sort of shrugging your shoulders like, no, I don't like it, or I don't get it, or whatever. And so I, I maybe I keep missing the boat. I don't know. There's something missing in me, because yes, I love Quentin Tarantino as a writer. I We talked about Tony Scott on the Top Gun episode. I am a, more, you know, more often than not a Tony Scott fan of his the movies he directed um 
and the cast is incredible. It's a brilliant. I mean, just this is where we could spend an hour alone yeah. just talking about this cast. And I'm sure we're gonna talk a long time about them. You're we're gonna have to cut each other off and be like, all right, all right, that's enough. You know, um, so huge, huge cast. So maybe I was thinking, you know, like I explained to those uh, listeners, how Fletch. It took me four times to appreciate fully appreciate Fletch. <laughs> you know, maybe. It'll take me, and sometimes that happens. I know, and you know what? The first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I didn't love it right away. The first time I saw, there's a couple Kubrick movies, 2001, um, Doctor Strange Love. I didn't love those movies right away, but then I was like, now, I mean, those are some of my favorite movies. I consider those, you know, some of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, the movie Heat with De Niro and Pacino. At first, I was like, eh, it was, you know, I was kind of lukewarm to it. And now I'm like, wow, I, I you know, so maybe. It's not uncommon. Know, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you do need to rewatch a movie, so I'm I'm kind of hoping that happens with me because the reviews, the director, the writer, the cast, the stuff—you know—it it has everything on paper. I should love this movie, so that's another factor. And, that's, and then the third—what were you gonna say? That's what I was gonna say. Is is this a movie you want to like? But just can't seem to possibly, and I just can't seem to do it. I can't, and there's stuff I like about it. So even though, let's say, the movie Heat, I know years ago when I first saw, I there's, and even to this day, I'm not saying Heat is a flawless movie. Um, I the the you know the things I don't like about it now, I you know did that I didn't like about it back then. I still don't like about it now. I still see you know flaw those flaws. But I also see other stuff that I'm like, wow, that's a really brilliant, you know, heist movie. That's a really, you know, great acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, yeah, so there's that also. And there's good things and then there's there's bad things. And the third reason, maybe the, the reason why I, besides my friend pointing it out and me wanting to like it and give it another chance, I think subconsciously... You know, you may have picked Waterworld. You say you do have a history with Waterworld more than I do uh, from, you know, listening to to, talking about it with you. That movie means more to you than it does to me. Um, And I thought, you know, that was to show that you like post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies um, or at least one, at least Waterworld. (laughs) I may have subliminally picked True Romance in response to your criticism of the movie I picked the week prior, Unhinged, to show that. I do not like a movie that seems to celebrate graphic violence. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and also I did, I do remember like there's a whole list of movies the, the you know, that are highly rated that I don't like, but it's just a matter of, like we said, the English patient. Do I really want to sit through all two, three hours, two and a half, three hours of that movie again? I don't know if I can do it. It's on HBO Max. It would be free uh, for both of us, I think, but... Oh, man, that would be tough. So this is at least two hours. It's not, you know, and there's exciting stuff happening the whole time. So right. has that going for it? Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree that, you know, obviously there's plenty of movies that we probably that are probably considered good that we don't care for. Um, mm-hmm. So it takes something to make us want to review that and to watch it. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I was curious for. Um, yeah. Okay. Are there a question for you? Are there any movies out there that the whole world seems to like, and you're just sort of like, no, I, I, this isn't for me. 
Um, not probably not enough to hate it. There's movies that everyone loves that I am like, eh, yeah, it's okay. But nothing, you know, there's not, a, I don't, nothing comes to mind that of a movie that, you know, is critically acclaimed where I'm just like, nah, mm. it's okay. And I wouldn't say oh, I oh, hate Sorry, that movie. I hate. I'm, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of them that I'm just I like, wouldn't right, say, yeah, it's, it's overhyped. Yeah, I wouldn't say I hate this movie, but I definitely don't think it's, I'm thinking like you, it's not 93%. Fresh. Okay. Okay. That I don't understand that. I, I I don't like it enough. If someone said, "Hey, Jay, should I see True True Romance?" I'd probably be honest and tell them no. So uh, yeah, that's right. uh, that's that's where I have stood on this movie, and we'll discuss and figure out why. So. All right. So this movie came out in 1993, which I don't think we have any movies that year. Um, we have not done 1993 yet. Yeah, no. so just off the top of my head, I'm trying to... Was that Jurassic Park? Was that the year that of Jurassic Park? That was Jurassic Park, yeah. yep. It was the best year of Spielberg's career because he did Jurassic Park, which became the highest grossing movie of all time. And what else did he do, Rich? Oh, jeez. And that year... Oh, I stumped you. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, I thought wait, I would not. get you. Okay. Was Amistad that year? No, Amistad was 97. Ooh, the movie playing. he won Best Picture and Best Director for. He's only directed one Best Picture winner. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Schindler's List. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have known. You could have yeah. figured. If it was multiple choice, you'd have gotten Definitely, it yeah. like that. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. So, I for me, the biggest movie of that year was Jurassic Park. I remember. Not, not Last Action Hero? N- last Action Hero. <laughs> Um, no, Jurassic Park by far was the biggest movie for me personally that year. That was an event like that when that came out. I mean, I was 10, so I was right in the Mm -hmm. wheelhouse of that movie's target audience. I mean, adults loved it too, but, um, as a 10 year old, I remember my first impression of Jurassic Park was my mom, we were going to Italy that year to, and it was my, going to be my first time in Italy. And my mom wanted to bring gifts for my cousins that were that are around my age, and she brought she bought these Jurassic Park toys, and it was before I the movie even really came out. And I remember thinking like, what are these? Why are you getting them these? They're not going to want these. And then like after the movie came out, I wanted them, and I you know like it was it was huge. But I I remember specifically like that she had these toys before the movie even came out, and and uh, I was like wondering what what that even was. Um, I remember in, in the town I grew up in, in South Jersey, um, my brother took me to see that movie and it was sold out and that never, that was the first time I've ever been to a movie theater in, in that town, especially, but maybe anywhere where it was completely sold out and we couldn't get in. Like, I remember the manager coming out and, and saying like, everyone was waiting outside and, and saying like, Jurassic Park is sold out. And like, everyone was like booing and like, it was like crazy. Like I never, that was the first time that had ever happened to me. And probably, I don't even know if that's happened since. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember being sold out and having to wait like an hour for the next show time. That definitely happened to me for independence day. Um, Yeah. That was another one that, that was later, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that was ninety six, summer yeah. of ninety six. Yeah, uh, so uh, so ninety three. You have much fonder memories of Jurassic Park. I remember liking the movie, not loving the movie. No, I loved it. And then, but however, the book, I absolutely love the book, and it confused me how with all the changes that Spielberg made, and I guess he made those changes to um, 
to, you know, like the way Kubrick made changes with The Shining because it made for a good movie. But the sacrifices he made, I mean, that that book was... And it confused me with how Hammond... Did you read the book ever? No, I tried reading it, but oh. it was after I saw the movie and I couldn't get into it because I just kept it's thinking phenomenal. about the movie. Oh, movie. It's it's such a great... It's one of the best novels I've ever read. I, I um, know it is, and, and I don't... Yeah. Maybe I'm far enough removed from the movie now that I could probably wa- read it and, and Yeah, you could probably knock that out in a weekend if you have nothing to do for three or four days. You could probably... Uh, it's kind of like a, a Da Vinci Code. It's not written in the same style, page turner, you know, suspenseful. But it's it's an easy. Re- I get I got sucked in. I've read it twice in my life, actually. Once when I was very young, and then once as an adult. And if anything, I liked it more as an adult. And um, and if I had fantastic. read, if I had seen the Da Vinci Code movie before I read the novel, I don't know that I would have enjoyed the novel so much. I'm so glad I, yeah. I read the novel. So those are those are those are factors. Yeah. So um, so my top five of '93. Or do you have any other? 93 movies off the top of your head that you recall no not off the top of my head once you tell me more i'll remember well my top five if i I went back and looking at biggest movies of 1993 my number one i the oscars got it right that year i've said that a few times on this show uh now uh schindler's list won best picture i do think schindler's list was the best movie of 1993 Mm -hmm. uh hands down it's you know arguably spielberg's masterpiece and a very different kind of you know spielberg movie than his usual Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws, blockbuster type affair. Uh, Very, very powerful, important movie. So Schindler's List was number one. And then the rest of my top five would be The Fugitive. I know you like that movie. Yep, I did. In the Name of the Father, I'm not sure if you've seen that movie. Never even heard of it. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Pete Postlewaith, excellent story about the um, uh, Irish, Northern Ireland, uh, Irish uh, people being imprisoned, wrongfully imprisoned uh, for a terrorist act. Uh, oh, okay. Really, really good movie. Never heard of it, but I, I'm sure it's good if Daniel Day-Lewis is Strongly in it. recommend it. Yeah, it's a fantastic ending. Fantastic. Emma Thompson is in it, too. Uh, great, great movie. So, In the Name of the Father, Shortcuts, a three-hour Robert Altman film about like life in Los Angeles. It's an ensemble piece. Tons of famous people. It may have more famous people in Shortcuts than in True Romance. Oh. Uh, that uh, yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend that if you have three hours to spare. Um, and then my would it be number five? I guess Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Mm. Yep, that would be so, on my top list. So yeah, 93 was a pretty good year for movies uh, when you look at it. And I'm not sure if maybe Schindler's List is the only one that probably has a 93 or higher percent uh, than True Romance. I haven't looked up any of those other movies yeah. I just mentioned. But um, yeah, so we'll see. Should, so All right. Um, so that's 93 in a year in movies. Um, so let's talk, well, let me read what this movie is about and the Rotten Tomatoes. So the Rotten Tomatoes score for critics is currently 92%. Uh, it is certified fresh, uh, which means I think, you know, a certain percentage, a certain number of critics have to have rated it above, you know, a certain percentage in order for it to be that, um, mm-hmm. 93% audience score. So the critics so and the audience same, agree. So, yeah. um, and all of my friends I know that love Tarantino or love movies in general, Seem to love this movie. Okay. Um, and you love Tarantino, right? You're you're a Tarantino. I guy, do. So. I'm a. I'm a. Like I said, I'm a fan of the writer. I'm a fan of the director. 
I don't know what went wrong here with this movie for me. I I think I know. I tried to figure it out while I was watching it this time and taking notes. And, you know, obviously, like I said, I don't hate it enough where I never want to see it again. Um, but it's, it's I guess it, it just doesn't work for me. We'll talk about it and, and maybe you can... Maybe I'll have a revelation yeah. like you did with Waterworld about what it is that compels you to watch it every time. Right. Or, yeah. So. Um, all right. So the movie is about a comic book nerd and Elvis fanatic named Clarence, played by Christian Slater, and a prostitute named Alabama, played by Patricia Arquette. Uh, then they fall in love. Um, Clarence breaks the news to her pimp and ends up killing him. Uh, he grabs a suitcase of cocaine on his way out, thinking it's Alabama's clothing. The two hit the road for California, hoping to sell the cocaine, but the mob is soon after them. Um, so, obviously, a wild plot, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, but also a plot that's been done before and since. Okay. So, um, I mean. the, so the main stars of the movie are, I mean, this is kind of an ensemble, right? But the main stars are Christian Slater, who plays Clarence Worley. And Patricia Arquette, who plays Alabama Whitman. Um, some of the supporting cast that are, you know, the top build supporting cast. Dennis Hopper is Clifford Worley, who is uh, Christian Slater's father in the movie. Val Kilmer plays the mentor, who is just uh, like a, an aberration of Elvis. Yeah, I was going to say he's not just credited as Elvis or Elvis's ghost. Or no, something. he's credited as mentor. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Gary Oldman plays Drexel Spivey. Uh, he is the pimp that is that mm. um, Clarence kills. Um, Brad Pitt is Floyd, who is the roommate of Michael Rapaport, who plays Dick Ritchie, who is Clarence's friend in L.A., uh, potent, uh, aspiring actor friend. Christopher Walken plays Vincenzo Cocciati, um, who is uh, a mob consigneri. Uh, Bronson Pinchot plays Elliot Blitzer, who is an actor. Um, Saul Rubinek plays Lee Donowitz, who is a producer in Hollywood. Um, there are a bunch of other people that have s- smaller roles. Um, I guess Chris Penn is, is in it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone else worth mentioning? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Well, that, uh, I mean... Tom, he has one scene. I was going to say, when I uh, saw him credited, I got excited, and when I saw the scene, I was like, are you kidding me? That's it. <laughs> like He had a bigger he had a bigger part in Jurassic Park. He did. Much bigger part. I mean, yeah. this wasn't even close. Um, this was like three lines. Yeah. Uh, Tom Sizemore, did you say him? I did not. He was the other cop, uh, right? He was Chris Penn's partner. Yeah. yeah. They really show up at the end. Yeah. Um, and then a couple others. Uh, Paul Bates. I like him in uh, Coming to America, and he was actually in Coming to America, too. Who is he? He in was this? like Gary Oldman's bouncer oh, yeah, friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the heavy set black yep. guy. Uh, and uh, I always like to give a shout out to Victor Argo. You, 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 all the background guys, all the Italian tough guys, the mafiosos in this, they've been in so many. They've been in Casino and Goodfellas. Victor Argo, he's in Taxi Driver. He's in Last Temptation of Christ. He's in Bad Lieutenant. Uh, he pops up in a lot of New York, you know, based crime, mafia, tough guy movies. Uh, so I always like seeing him. Yeah, uh, there, uh, I, I didn't mention James Gandolfini, who has a decent role in this. Um, yep, and James I, Gandolfini is another one. Yeah, and I didn't mention... Um, what is his name? His name is Marvin, I Saul think. Rubinek? Did no, you, I mentioned... Yeah, I mentioned oh, Kevin Corrigan okay. is in this. 
Kevin Corrigan, yeah. yeah, I don't think he has any lines. I don't in think this. he has any lines um, either. He's just a, a, yeah. a mob guy, but um, he's but he's in a ton of things. Yeah, and Ed, yeah, Ed so Lauder is an uncredited captain. Yes, and Ed Lauder also yeah. good, yeah, good character actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, hard to believe this movie eight uh, twenty eight years old now. Jeez. Yeah. So okay. obviously, this. I mean, we can't spend a lot of time talking about all these people because we would be here for four or five hours. But that would be yeah. Um, forget it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's start with the top two. So Christian Slater. Um, have are you a Christian Slater fan? Indifferent. He when he's good, he's good. When he's not, eh, you know, he's he's not someone. He's not the reason I would go see a movie. But when I when if you said Christian Slater, what's the first movie that pops into your head? Because I'll tell you mine, and it's probably not the same as most people's. Uh, Clueless. Just because they mentioned yes. his name, <laughs> okay. I was like, he's not in Clueless. I know. All right, that's that's, and I think I referenced that when we were talking about Tom Cruise yeah, in Top yeah, Gun. Yeah. How all these other, you know, you could reference, you know, other great actors from the '80s and '90s, and they're like, who are they, you know? But kids still know t- uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was uh, that was a pro- joke. But um, uh, honestly, okay, the first yeah. movie, Christian Slater, uh, I guess Robin Hood, but I'm sure there's other ones that I'm just oh, not thinking of. Good choice. I see. I, I he would be. I would think of Kevin Costner and. And uh, Morgan Freeman and Alan Rickman first. But, yeah, I guess if I really racked my brain, he was Will Scarlet in that. And he was good in that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think he's always good. I just don't know if he always picks good movies. The first movie I think of when I think of Christian Slater, Broken Arrow with him and John Travolta. Oh, I've heard of it. I never saw it. Oh, Howie really Long. Like, it's a fun John Woo action movie. Yeah, <laughs> Howie Long is in it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a better than average '90s action movie. I think I, I liked it a lot when I was a kid. So I think I had the VHS tape and watched it a lot. Um, I think the first movie I remember seeing Christian Slater in, and I think it's him. Is it, do you remember a movie called Untamed Heart? Yes, with, with Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Tomei. Yeah. That's actually a very good movie. Yeah. I saw that mm, as an adult at some point in my 20s or 30s, but I did like so it. So circling um, back around to the Italy trip I referenced earlier, I watched that on the mm. plane. Um, oh, interesting. It was back okay. when, like, on a plane, like, you watched whatever movie they showed you. Like, there was no Correct. choices. Correct, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. They gave you the headset, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the first movie I think I recall seeing Christian Slater in... I probably didn't know who he was, but I knew the, like the face. I knew that guy's famous. Um, he has a small cameo role in. I think I mentioned this franchise now more than I mentioned David Lynch. Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Oh, okay. I don't. I never yeah, saw you, that. I know you're not a Star Trek fan, but uh, yeah, he was. And I, th- I think I've only mes- mentioned Star Trek so many times because Cole Meany has been yeah, brought up yeah, in yeah. two or three episodes here. Uh, so yeah, but I think that's the first time I recall seeing him. Of course, Heather's is a big movie for him. Um, he gets compared to as a young Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Like with the eyebrows, I kind of see that. Um, yeah, and the and the, but, and the uh, voice, yeah. I guess. But he, you know, um, I, I I I didn't love him in this movie. I'll be honest. Um, I wish neither do I. I wish that there were all the other actors that were in it. I wish they were in it more than he was, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree. It's, it's I a case agree, where the supporting yeah. cast was more interesting than the starring cast. Oh, far more. Far. Um, I mean, even Brad Pitt with his stoner character oh, was yeah. he had a like lot five better. Lines yeah. and, I, and every time he was on the screen, I, I couldn't stop. You know, I was, there's I was something dynamic about yeah. yeah. So if you want to, I mean, when we go through the scenes, there are certain scenes where i'm gonna really be complimenting the actors uh, yeah. you know brad pitt's one but especially gary oldman uh when we yeah, get to yeah, him yeah. So. um all right so patricia arquette um plays alabama whitman 
Um, I, I don't know what I know her from. I mean, other more recently stuff, obviously, Boyhood. Um, okay, I was going to say, she won an Oscar for Boyhood. Yeah. Did you like Boyhood? Uh, I thought it was all right. I, I didn't love it, though. I love Yeah, Boyhood. I know you liked it a okay. lot. <laughs> You're I, like, I know you do. <laughs> I, I don't know that it was worth 12 years of these people's time, but I don't know. I thought it was incredible. I, I That know. was one of my favorite movies of the past decade. Uh, she won an Oscar for it. I thought Ethan Hawke should have won an Oscar for it as well. Um, but uh, I, I, really I remember, I know she was in, um, uh, the, I think it was her first movie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The yep. Dream Warriors. Yeah, I believe that was her first with, movie. With the Dawkins well, yeah. song. Yes, great song. You know what? And I hate to admit this, I have never seen Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Really? I, I'm told it's the best one other than the first one, so I yeah. do really want to see it. Yep. Yeah. So, um, But um, I don't know her for much else. I, I don't think I do anyway. Well, here it comes, the weekly mentioning of David uh, Lynch. She was in Lost Highway. She's fantastic in Lost Highway. She looks beautiful. <laughs> uh, she was in a Scorsese movie uh, with, uh, she was in um, oh, uh, Bringing Out the Dead with Nicolas Cage. Okay. Really underrated Scorsese movie. I like that movie a lot. Um, yeah, she was married to Nicolas Cage. I don't know if she ever actually starred in a movie with Nicolas Cage. Um but no, I think she's a very talented actress. She was in a movie uh, like a dark comedy that I liked with her and Don Johnson called Goodbye Lover. Uh, so yeah, she she you know pops up in some random things here and there. Oh, Ed Wood, the Tim Burton she's Johnny Depp movie. She's yes, she's his. I don't know if it's his first wife or his second wife, but Sarah Jessica Parker's the love interest at first, and then she's had it with Ed Wood. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, she, yeah. And so she leaves him, and then he meets Patricia Arquette, and yeah. All right. So, um, Dennis Hopper, we talked about last week, so we'll we'll skip yeah. over him. Um, well, I would just like to say that. Well, we could talk about this later in his role. This is very against type. When you think of Dennis Hopper, you know, I think of Speed. I think of yeah, you know, Blue yeah. Velvet or Waterworld. This is he's not the villain in this. He's no, he's a, he's a, a good, guy, t- very yeah. different. Yeah, he's a very different type of Dennis Hopper, and uh, I I give him credit for that. So. A, 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 a much more rational Dennis Hopper, <laughs> or just a normal, yeah, sincere, right, yeah. genuine. Well, yeah. that's why I said he just plays rational, a normal yeah. guy. <laughs> he was a good guy in Hoosiers too, if you remember. But, uh, uh, yeah, but because of the alcohol uh, addiction, it, he was more, you know, a little, you know, normal Dennis Hopper. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, this was this is maybe the most sincere he's ever yeah. been. And it, it's, it, I, I, you know, good good for him. Yeah, showed um, some range. Val Kilmer, we have talked about multiple times on this podcast. Yes. So we can and this is the second Tony Scott movie he's been in because Tony yeah, Scott directed although, him in Top Gun. I mean, he's really only in this as an unfocused and an unfocused image and a voice, really. I mean, he, I agree. And if you watch the trailer, they show his face, and I'm just like, "Hey, well, that's not really? in the movie." Yes, they watch the watch the trailer for True Romance. You, he has his face with those big, the Elvis looking sunglasses on. Oh yeah, the they don't Slater. they don't ever show his face. They don't show it. I I keep looking, and, I, and we both watch the director's cut. Am I? Yes, uh, I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know what exactly is different, but it's three more minutes of I think it's just more violence. Okay. okay. I think it's just more blood and violence yeah. uh, in this version than the you know I think it was trimmed for you know to because it, it might have been NC seventeen. I think. Oh wow! So, or I, I'm not sure, but it got trimmed because of violence. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, there there was a lot of it, so that makes sense. And um, there definitely is a yeah. lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's here's someone we can talk about: Gary Oldman as Drexel Spivey. Um, yeah. I thought he was fantastic in this. 
I agree. As all the problems I have with this movie, if Gary Oldman got an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor for this, in fact, if he won Best Supporting Actor for this this year, uh, 93, it was Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive, you know what? I'd just sort of throw my hands up and say, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, you know. Um, Do you think Tommy Lee Jones should have won? Because I, I don't. Absolutely. I don't, yeah. I, I, yeah, well, here's, yeah, you know what, because I, I wrote an article about this, so that's why I might sound like a, you know, Oscar encyclopedia here. I said that 1993 was the best year for Best Supporting Actor ever, where you look at the five nominees, mm-hmm. and Gary Oldman obviously wasn't one of the nominees, but you look at the five people that were nominated, and I'll go through them, and if you rank them best to worst... And I tell you who I think is the worst, you'd be like, wow, he's pretty amazing in that movie. And if he won, I wouldn't have been upset, to be honest. So it was Tommy Lee Jones who won for The Fugitive, who deserved to win. Mm -hmm. Pete Postlewaith for In the Name of the Father, which you didn't see, but trust me, he's amazing. Uh, Ralph Fiennes as the evil Nazi in Schindler's List. Right. Hated him in that movie. Oh, God, was he horrible. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio... In What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and he was only like 18 years old. Yeah, that was his first one, I think, right? His first nomination, yeah. yeah. And then the fifth, who I would say is probably the worst of the five nominees, but it might be one of his best performances, John Malkovich for In the Line of Fire. Oh, yeah. That is a loaded category, is it not? That is like, if any one of those five won, I would just say, sure. (laughs) And I think Gary Oldman easily could have been in that five. And you could take any one of those five out and replace them with Gary Oldman, and that would be fine. So, I, I personally, I do think Tommy Lee Jones kind of owned The Fugitive when he shouldn't have. And I don't think that's a knock on Harrison Ford. I just think Tommy Lee Jones was that good. He was good at um, it. Yeah. <laughs> just because he's... Is he the villain? Is he the hero? It's a much more complex character. And the way he changes, like his arrogance and his... You know, and he's starting to, like, the, the gears... You see the gears turning right. as he's chasing, you know, Harrison Ford through Chicago and you know Harrison Ford's trying to unravel this mystery and he's going along with it it's pretty impressive mm-hmm. so it's yeah and I, I think The Fugitive is probably my second favorite movie of 1993 after Schindler's List if I had to choose so all right so what do you know what else do you know Gary Oldman from anything before this oh yeah um I mean two of his best roles I think uh prior to this or two of his best roles of his career he was Lee Harvey Oswald and JFK yep. great role and he was uh Sid Vicious in Sid and Nancy never saw it but heard of it heard it was good um but and I think Dracula was before this too yeah Bram Stoker's Dracula was I think 92 yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was the year before yeah so I mean he had done things he wasn't the most accomplished actor that he would eventually become but you know he's a He's just an incredible chameleon of an actor. You do not detect any British accent or anything the way he plays this. I mean, no, and, he, well, not, yeah. not in this movie especially. I mean, he in this movie, yeah. no, or in in any of his roles. No, I mean, he's no. just I mean, so good at changing his voice. Commissioner yeah. Gordon comes to mind for me. For oh, the, there you go. Uh, uh, and if Heath Ledger movie. wasn't so amazing, I think he should have possibly been nominated for uh, uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, he's a terrific, terrific mm-hmm. actor. So. Um, all right, so Brad Pitt, first movie that Brad Pitt's been in that we've talked about. Um, mm. Great role in this, short role. Um, yep. Only a few lines, plays a stoner. Uh, funny, one to me, the only part I really laughed at in this movie was when he was rambling on and the guy 
pumps the shotgun and he gets right back on track. <laughs> um, yes, that I, was good. I, I, yeah, I thought he was good when he, you know, like I said, yeah. he was barely on the His two or three right. scenes are excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, so when, when did he really come about? Was Thelma and Louise like one of his first big roles? That was his first, that was like his breakout, yeah. you know, that was when the world, I'm sure he was in movies beforehand, but that was when like, I guess the world paid attention to him, mm-hmm. uh, was yeah, Thelma and Louise, where he was the young stud that, you know, I forget which one is which, but he sleeps with Gina Davis. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from that point on, I mean, I guess, yeah, the 90s was a good decade. I feel like he's gotten more interesting as his career has gone on. Look at the work he's done with Tarantino. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm talking mostly Inglorious Bastards. And once he won an Oscar, finally, uh, last year, two years ago, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. I loved his work in... I, I really thought his performance was good in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I loved his performance. He got an Oscar nomination. I mentioned this movie last week when we were talking about 1995, 12 Monkeys. Right. Uh, with him and Bruce Willis, he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor and deserved it. Um, so, no, I think he's a very... As, as his career has evolved, and yeah, I guess he still looks good, but I think he picks really interesting parts. And I think Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, I think both... Their looks kind of played against them when it comes to people, you know, or the Academy or maybe critics or certain people taking their acting ability seriously. Because I think they're two incredibly gifted, emotional, intense actors. And I think Tom Cruise may be more so in the beginning of his career. It's like they're Mm. reversed. And Brad Pitt, like the last 20 years of his career, I think are far better than the stuff he did. Even though I like Interview with the Vampire and, you know, uh, whatever. Say what you want about Seven or Fight Club. I'm not a huge fan of those. But he's good. He's, you know, he's good in them. And, yeah, I think he's just gotten more interesting as his career has evolved and he's moved on. I liked Ad Astra a lot. Yeah, so I think he's a terrific actor. Yeah, he is. Um, he's one of my favorite uh, guest roles on Friends. Friends is famous for having a lot of guest stars on it. Yes, um, and his was was funny because uh, he, he he at the time he was married to um, uh, what's her name. Rachel, but what's her? Aniston. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, and and his character in the show hates her because she was mean to him in high school. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew he was a guest star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, he hates then. her in the in the show. Oh. Um, so it's funny because he's like, you know, the whole time he's like making fun of her and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> Christopher Walken um, plays Vincenzo Cacciati, I think. Um, I can't say his last name; it's a long name. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say Cacciati. <laughs> Um, okay. so he has one scene in this movie, um, but what a great scene it is. And we'll talk about that later. It's like Pulp Fiction. It's like he comes exactly. in for one scene and it's almost like he steals the show. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it, it feels like its own mini movie, <laughs> both this scene and the watch scene that he does in Pulp Fiction. Yep. Um, uh, two of my so, favorite yeah. Christopher Walken roles. Um, I'm sorry. One of my, my, one of my favorite Christopher Walken roles was the, uh, the Pulp Fiction role, even though it's, it's mm-hmm. only one mm-hmm. scene. Um, he's so great in it. I mean, he's just an iconic yeah. actor. He's, he he's is. I love. Years. He's my favorite recurring host on SNL. Yeah, more cowbell. Um, yeah, but uh, it's just so many. You know, great, great thing. And going all the way back to, he won an Oscar for the Deer Hunter. I loved his work in the Dead Zone, David Cronenberg uh, movie based on the Stephen King novel. Um, of course, Max Zorin, the villain, the first Academy Award winning uh, actor to be a Bond villain mm-hmm. in A View to a Kill, um, which I know Rich and I have talked yeah, we'll, about. We'll table uh, that one for later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that he, 
that that may end up being its own episode at some <laughs> yeah. point. Um, but you, the first time, okay, what's the first time you remember seeing Christopher Walken? Because I know my answer. Um, the first time I remember seeing Christopher Walken was Batman Returns. Same with me. Yep. I went in there. I was all about Batman and Catwoman and the Penguin. And by the time that movie was over, I was like, who is this guy with the white hair? This Max Shrek, this Christopher Walken guy. Yeah. This guy's incredible. Yep. I want to yeah. see. I want it. Like, I really was. And I was like a nine. That was 1992. So I was like nine year old kid. I was like, this is this guy is something. Right, and having no idea how prolific of an actor he was before that, you know. Before then, or but since, he's become such a, you know, yeah. an actor that I always look forward to seeing. He got an Oscar nomination for Catch Me If You Can, another Spielberg yeah. movie with DiCaprio Good and movie. Tom Hanks. And he kind of stole the show from those two, you know, prolific, Tom Hanks and Leo DiCaprio, two of the biggest actors of all mm-hmm. time. Uh, so, yeah, terrific, terrific actor. He was in a Fat Boy Slim video. Yes, he was. Well, he's also a prolific, classically trained dancer. So he always, in all of his movies, he has a, if you'll notice, he tries to dance in all of his movies, even like the ones where you'd least expect it. There's a movie called Suicide Kings where he gets kidnapped for ransom Uh and he's taped to a chair, but they even have a flashback scene where he's (laughs) dancing. Okay, It's a great, great, great movie if you haven't seen it. I really like Suicide Kings with him and Dennis Leary and Jay Moore. Uh, Good movie. Um, What's it? King of New York, violent crime, you know, mob movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's dancing around with it's yeah he's a ter- terrific actor yeah definitely. so and versatile he can do comedy he could do drama he could do leading role he could do supporting yep uh so he's just i love it when he pops up in movies yeah, and he did that a lot in the the late 90s early 2000s like sleepy hollow um yep. he would just pop up click in all these movies like you know yeah. kind of like a relief pitcher and when he does closer. Yeah, when he does yeah. he just steals the show yeah, he's always good. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So Bronson Pinchot, um, also better known to me anyway as Balky Bartokamus. Um, Absolutely. That's what I know him most from, and I think that's what most people know him most right, from. Second, second to that for me anyway is Serge from Beverly Hills Cop. 2. I was going to say Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, and he was in two. Uh, was he? I thought he was only in one and three. Yeah, I think he's in all three of them. Oh, okay. Well, I say that because uh, if he was in if he was in two, which I'm pretty sure he is, that would explain why he's in this movie because Tony Scott directed Beverly Hills Cop too. Oh, so and Serge, he even said, you know, that's the he said that that's the bit best role of his career because Beverly Hills Cop was such a huge hit. It led to ABC offering him the sitcom, which became the biggest, you know paying the longest running uh gig of his career so he was very grateful for that because that was just a riff on him doing his funny accent that he did in beverly hills cop so yep. and he pops up randomly in some other you know movies he was in after hours a scorsese yeah. movie he was in courage under fire a really good denzel washington meg ryan persian gulf movie mm-hmm. um so yeah, he was in was he in risky business i think he, he was, was in risky business i'm looking at his yeah, right now and i was correct okay. he is in beverly hills cop one and three Three. He is not in two. He's not in two. No. Oh, so that makes it wow. even more, okay. Uh, strange that that he connected with Tony Scott later. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is unusual. Yeah, because Tony Scott, I know he's, a, from what I recall, actors, you know, Denzel worked with him like five, six times. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise worked with him twice. Actors liked working with him. He liked working with, you know, they always had nice things to say about him. They didn't always make the best movies, but they enjoyed working together. Gene Hackman worked with him a couple of times. Crimson Tide and Enemy of the State. So, yeah, um, he has a good reputation. Val Kilmer worked with him two or three times. Val Kilmer also popped up in Deja Vu, a Denzel Washington action movie years later. Yeah directed by tony scott so yeah so that is unusual okay so there proved me wrong good job yep and uh like yeah we had talked briefly before we we started recording about he was also in step by step in the later years of the show Mm. um he's a hairdresser or something i'm trying to find Mm -hmm. his name in that because i remember it was like something silly i think it was again he was doing that funny voice funny accent shtick that he did in beverly hills cop and that he did in well that yeah he kind of got typecast perfect strangers yeah he got typecast to be that funny guy do a voice kind of thing where you know so it's almost weird when i saw him in like this movie or like a straight drama like courage under fire uh Mm -hmm. where he's just you know talking normal serious it's kind of tough to take him seriously i guess um, after seeing him in those roles for so so many years, right? Um, all right, so we have. I'm just gonna go through Samuel Jackson. I mean, I don't even want to talk about him in this movie. He literally has like three lines and then gets killed. I can't believe he would even do. Uh, he, I guess why did he even do this? It was pre Pulp Fiction. I don't think Samuel L. Jackson became a name actor until Pulp Fiction. So this was 93. 94 was, I think, when he sort of became a household name and when you would see his name above a title. Yeah. Okay, where it would be like, you know, so-and-so, Samuel L. Jackson, another name than the title. So I, I kind of think like, you know, Jurassic Park, Patriot Games, Coming to America, Goodfellas. He was in all those big, you know, movies, mm-hmm. but I, no one was there for Samuel L. Jackson. He was just sort of, you know, yeah, just a character a support, actor. Yeah, character yeah actor. he was a supporting actor. And then I think Pulp Fiction put him on the map and he's sort of become a star household name ever since so that's why it was probably just a job for him he didn't know you know he didn't know pulp fiction a year later would change his career right so, right right yeah um so then we have michael rapaport who is pretty young in this movie um i, I know he mm. you know he's been in a lot of things i re- you know uh copland i know he's in yep um, yep which which uh you know, I remember him in. Um, I remember he he did a couple episodes on Friends. I've seen him in a lot. Never really a starring mm-hmm. role. I know he's in Hitch for a few. True, scenes. A character and, actor. Yeah. yeah, good character actor. Um, the movie I think of when I think of Michael Rappaport. Did you ever see Kiss of Death? No. Huge cast. Also, Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Nicolas Cage, David Caruso. David Caruso was top billed at the time, so that shows you, you know, where things were at. Uh, Helen Hunt. Um, oh, big big. Uh, is that the movie where where? <laughs> Chris Falken goes, hey, you. No, that was that was King of New York, which I also mentioned, which has David Caruso right, that's in what it as well. Because okay. yeah. I sent you that clip of, yeah. hey, you. Because I used to just... <laughs> That's what you used to say all the time. Go, go back to... Okay, Rich and I, if you remember from earlier episodes, we met working at a summer camp at a rock wall. 
And if kids weren't, uh, you know, where they were supposed to be or whatever, I would just say, hey, you, you. kid, get out of the way. (laughs) If a kid wasn't where he was supposed to be and they might be, you know, going down the zip line, flying around, didn't want anyone Mm -hmm. to get hurt. So, yeah, Rich always thought that was funny. I go, hey, you. Uh, So, yeah, I sent him a clip of Christopher Walken saying that right before he shoots David Caruso. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, no, different movie uh, with David Caruso. So. All right. Um, Saul um, Rubinek, I know him from a few things. I know he play, He was in The Family Man. I think that's what it's called with Nicolas Cage. Was he in that? I don't remember. I mean, yeah. I remember the movie. I don't remember him in it. I haven't seen that movie since the theater. I remember liking it, but I couldn't tell you. And Tia Leone's the wife. Yep. And isn't Don Cheadle like the spirit yeah, or something? Don, yeah, Saul Rubinek is like one of the... Um, and, and when he's, you know, in normal, in reality, he's Christopher... He's um, Nicolas Cage's... Like business part, one of the one of the top executives oh, okay. in the company. I don't remember. And that. in the alternate version of reality, where he's married to Tia Leone, uh, he is actually has Nicolas Cage's job. Um, oh, so okay. yeah, so um, okay, he's that's he, and and I remember him. He also plays Art Modell in um, I think the movie's called The Express. Um, it's a it's a football movie. I did see The Express, yeah. yes, and I don't remember him in that either. Oh, okay, so you remember him from different movies. I'm going to name movies that you probably have seen, and you probably don't remember him in it. Uh, Unforgiven? Mm, never saw Clint it. Clint Eastwood movie? Never saw what? it. What? Yeah. Oh, it's his best movie. Oh, man. he Okay, he was in Unforgiven. Uh, he was in, okay, here's a real random one. Do you remember Getting Even with Dad? I remember the the name. Who's in it? Oh, it's Ted Danson. Ted Danson okay. and Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Okay, he's one of Ted Danson's the Macaulay Culkin's father, and he's a thief, and oh, okay. Macaulay Culkin tries to set him straight or whatever, and he's one of the thieves in Ted Danson's crew. Gotcha. I don't know why I remember. You know why I remember it? Because he looks like such a nebbish nerdy Jew type the way he plays in this like a movie producer I didn't buy him for one second even when I was a kid as a thief I was fully aware he was just it wasn't his fault he was miscast I was fully aware that's an actor okay Mm -hmm. um so yeah those are off the top of my head the only two that I can remember but I know and uh yeah other than that yeah I'm not sure or I'm blanking but I know he's been in so many other things yeah um, last one I, I feel is worth mentioning, um, unless you want to mention anyone else, is James Gandolfini, obviously Tony yeah. Soprano. I don't know yeah. him from much else other than being Tony, excuse me, Tony Soprano. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I know he is in other things, and I know he's been in other things since yeah, yeah. Sopranos. And especially after yeah, the Sopranos. I feel like his career got a little boost up until he, you know, he was only like 50. Yeah, he, he died young. One or 52, he died way too, just had a heart attack. Obviously did not, you know, was not healthy or had health issues that he didn't know about, I assume. He died in Italy on vacation, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, yeah, really sad. Um, but, yeah, uh, prior to this, well, his first uh, movie was uh, Sidney Lumet. I'm a big Sidney Lumet fan. A uh, movie called Stranger Among Us. He played a mafia tough guy in that uh, with a Melanie Griffith movie about her trying to solve a murder in New York City. Um, he was in another Sidney Lumet movie I really like called Night Falls on Manhattan with Andy mm-hmm. Garcia and Richard Dreyfus. Um, he was in, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me see if I could do that. He was in five Tony Scott movies. True Romance is one. He was in Crimson Tide. He was yeah. in uh, Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. 
I might have been in more, but I'm not sure. But he he was in a bunch of movies with John Travolta. Lonely Hearts Murders with John Travolta and uh, Salma Hayek. He was in that. Um, Yeah, he did a lot of movies with Travolta. He did a lot of movies with Denzel Washington also. He was in Fallen with Denzel Washington. Uh, Civil Action with John Travolta. Yeah, so he he popped up in a lot of movies where he wasn't the big star. Um, Right. And he got more, you know, like The Mexican. He had a big role in that. Uh, After The Sopranos with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. Um, He was in one of his last movies was a romantic comedy called Enough Said with him and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I know we're both Seinfeld fans. Did you ever happen to see that? No, I didn't. I really liked it. Because you know how in those movies they usually show the guy is the one who messes things up yeah. in the relationship? This one, he's just a really nice guy, and she's doing all like the things that a typical in a typical romantic comedy that the guy would do to screw things up and then try to get the girl back. She's doing she's the one who's like talking too much or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, playing games, trying to like, you know, lying, okay, to get out of certain things, and then she gets caught in her lies. So I thought that was a very interesting against type kind of uh, romantic comedy. So, yeah, he's a good one. Tom Sizemore's worth mentioning, uh, especially in the 90s. Huge, huge actor. Popped up in a ton of movies, especially war movies. Yeah. Saving Private he, Ryan, yeah, and Black Penn, Hawk Down, too. Chris Penn, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, those are the only last two that I think would be worth mentioning. All right. So. Well, that was quite a cast. Um, it was some quite of, a Some cast, of them yeah. are in the movie for more than others, obviously. Um, but, you know, all relatively small roles in, in this movie. Yeah. Um, the main two stars, obviously, being Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. Um, yep. All right, so let's get into the movie. Um, I'd like to give one shout-out, though, first. Great understated score by the legendary Hans Zimmer. Uh, it was whatever good. flaws you have with this movie, this is one of his most memorable scores. And if you're not humming that, the, it's, I believe the... The theme is called You're So Cool, okay, because they say that at the end yeah. later or whatever. But it's a really, really good uh, good score by Hans Zimmer. Um, he's known for those big, epic scores, but even in something like this, it's just it really fits perfectly, and it's a very memorable soundtrack. Yeah, um, I agree that his music is good. There's also just great music in the movie altogether. Correct. A yeah, lot of oldies. Um, yep. Uh, I did. I did note that, that that I did enjoy the music that was in this movie. Um, some of it more prevalent than others, but it's it's mm-hmm. there, and it's it, if you listen, you can hear it. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, we talked about Tony Scott obviously multiple times. So we'll, we'll skip the director and we'll get right into yeah. the movie. So the movie opens with um, uh, uh, Christian Slater in a bar talking about how much he loves Elvis, how if he was. Uh, ever going to be with a man he would want it to be Elvis um, and just you know talking about his love of Elvis meanwhile he looks like Elvis um, Mm -hmm. you know sunglasses outfit pink Cadillac he's definitely you know somewhat of an Elvis impersonator uh, or wants to be an Elvis impersonator I'm just obsessed with Elvis Um, he's rejected at the bar by somebody I thought was dressed up to be to look like Marilyn Monroe <laughs> um, that's actually uh, Anna Thompson, I believe is her name. And in the '90s, she was a, in a lot of big movies. Okay. She was in Unforgiven. She was in The Crow. She was in Bad Boys. And this movie was in the '90s as well. So this was kind of like the peak of her career, I guess. Was 1993? Uh, was that how so, she yeah, looked, or was she supposed to be trying to look like somebody else? I couldn't tell. She has kind of like blonde yeah. hair. You, have you ever seen any of those movies that I've mentioned? Uh, say them again. 
Uh, Unforgiven, no. The Crow, no. Bad Boys. Yes to Bad Boys, but I don't remember her. Okay, she was. Do you remember? She was the secretary who worked in the police. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. station, yep. and then just finds out it hurts her ex boyfriend who knew about the cocaine. Right, she was right, the inside right. one that, like, uh, yeah. So she's crying when okay. they interrogate her near the end. That's yeah. She always kind of plays like this sad, but you know, yeah. She was she was a drug addict waitress in The Crow and like a deadbeat mom, and she was the prostitute who gets uh, beaten up really bad in the beginning of Unforgiven, and then, yeah. All right. Um, so, okay. Yeah, so he he rejects she, she rejects um, him. He invites her to to a triple feature of some kung fu movies. Yeah, um, she does not care she, what. Yeah, she's she's yeah. not interested and gets up and walks away. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of uh, the his character reminded me a little bit of Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction because Travolta's character says he's an Elvis man. They've got the whole fifties you know diner thing going on. Yeah, so clearly you could tell Tarantino's got his stamp on this. If you're looking at those two movies, definitely, yeah, hundred percent. And he talks about Sonny Chiba, and Tarantino would direct Sonny Chiba in his own film in Kill Bill years later. Oh, okay. He's the one who makes the sword. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's Sonny Chiba. Yeah, I mean, I you, you really can clearly tell Bill. that this is something that, you know, Tarantino is into these things. And I read somewhere that this is, he said that this is his most autobiographical script. Yes. Um, so, and it shows, yeah, I think. I, yeah, I it's he. Yeah, and we'll talk about that at the end, how I feel about that, though. But something else also worth mentioning, uh, it starts off, do you know what city this movie starts off in? Well, I, I don't think you find that out right away, but no. right after, okay, it's yeah. Detroit. Um, Correct, yeah, Detroit. Yeah. And then it ends up in... L.A. Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, in L.A. So, to me, it's very similar to the structure of Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy. Yes, <laughs> He's a Detroit cop. He ends up in Beverly Hills three times somehow. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. but um, so a lot of similarities with that. And like I said, Tony Scott directed Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Bronson Pinchot was in 1 and 3. So, yeah, this one maybe focuses a little bit more on the road aspect, but not really that much. No, not too much. Yeah, yeah, so um, then he goes, you know, you find out that the movie takes place in Detroit. Um, uh, Christian Slater's character is... Uh, at the Kung Fu movie triple feature, um, a girl comes in and um, the theater is almost empty, but she goes right to where he is. She drops her popcorn on him. Um, they end up talking and they go out for pie. Um, they you know establish a connection. They end up um, he takes her to his work, which is a comic book store, um, and they end up you know spending the night together, making love. Um, there's a, a Tony Scott, something I remember from um, Top Gun that I was grossed out about, which was the shadow tongue kissing, um, which is prevalent here as, just as much. <laughs> he does it again. I, you know what? I didn't think about how much this their love scene here, the way it's lit, the way it's shot, looks very similar to the love scene between Tom yes. Cruise and Telly, Kelly McGillis in Top Gun. I did not think about that until you mentioned that. Yes. But yeah, I mean, what did you think of those opening scenes of Patricia Arquette, you know, rushing into the theater, spilling Slater's Christian Slater's popcorn and, you know, talking to him, finding reasons to touch him and talk to him? Uh, what did you think of it? And then the, the, the pie thing afterwards? Um, I, I yeah. thought the movie was moving, just like the relationship, was moving very fast. 
Ah, okay, I agree. Yeah, good point. Um, and I thought, uh, all right, am I supposed to believe that all this is happening? Like, what's going on? I don't even know either of these characters. I, you know, you don't. Okay. The only thing you know about Christian Slayer's character is that he's obsessed with Elvis, and then he got rejected because. And he likes kung and he fu. Likes kung yeah, fu. yeah. That's really. Um, yeah. And then this girl comes in, and clearly something was up. Like I, I wasn't. I didn't sit there and think like you know. I thought something. Why did she go right to him? You know what I mean. So I knew yeah, something was yeah. up. I didn't know that she was a call girl. Um, and that, okay. you know, his okay. boss, well, you find out that after they, they, um, get together and they're back at his apartment, you find out that she's a, she, well, she confesses to being a call girl, yes, yes, um, yes. that his, that Christian Slater's boss called her and, and ordered her for his birthday. Um, right. but she's crying because she, she fell for him and she fell in love with him again. The whole thing is just moving way too fast for me. Um, yeah. Oh, I I agree. I well, then you look at what they do the next day. Well, the next I mean, day they're married. Out loud. Yeah. So then it's it's even more insane. Right. But yeah, I, a little silly. I would take her to his job, and his job's a comic book store. I mean, it's like, is this just like every guy's fantasy here coming true uh, to a certain extent? Um, yes. You know, you if you work there, you have this. It lands in you. This beautiful girl lands in your lap. You don't have to do any work. Um, I did notice in the love scene that there's an Elvis in the background. Yes, uh, yeah, so that's poster, probably worth yeah. mentioning. And also, while she's confessing on the fire escape in front of the billboard, it's a car, very much just reminding us that we're in Detroit. I feel so. Yeah, it was a big car billboard, heavy-handed yeah. art direction there. Yeah. yeah, so I yeah, it does move fast. That's it moves very, very fast. The relationship moves very fast. Like I said, they're married. Yeah. Then they're getting tattoos. Um, that, yep, that's within less than 24 hours of knowing each other. Right, yeah, and so. then she informs him about, well, he, I, when she was crying with uh, and confessing that she's a call girl, she mentions, she mentions Drexel, uh, but he doesn't know right. what that means at the time. So then, you know, as they're getting tattoos, he asks her about that and finds out that that's her pimp. Um, and then the... Uh, uh, then he goes into the bathroom and talks to... And, uh, Oh, sorry. Not, well, not before yet. that, yeah. we meet, we meet, we see Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah. So then you meet Drexel yeah. and Samuel L. Jackson and a couple other guys, um, and and Drexel kills everyone um, and steals yeah. this big suitcase full of cocaine, yeah. and um, you know you find out that that's how he got that. Samuel L. Jackson is is that's the scene he's in. I guess he's it's his cocaine. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly, but yeah. it's some sort of cocaine deal that it just. Drexel's there. He's the pimp. He kills him and Samuel Jackson's partner. It's very cold and brutal. Yes. Set there to let us know this is a dangerous guy. Right. Okay. So this Drexel is someone you shouldn't want to mess with. But then, of course, the next scene uh, you were you were about to explain. Christian Slater has that fantasy of Elvis going. Yeah. He so that yeah he he has he hears a voice in his head basically and and sees an image of Elvis and talks to him. And the image of Elvis, uh, the voice, or the, the this is the person that's credited as the mentor, uh, played mm-hmm. played by Val Kilmer, um, tells um, Christian Slater to kill Drexel for you know what because uh, 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 Alabama has mentioned that he has gotten physical with her, um, and he's not you know not a good dude, and Christian Slater right. can't you know he can't just cope with that so he decides to you know with with the help of this voice uh, in his head of elvis um that he needs to kill drexel yeah and and this is interesting though because this is only two years 
for Val Kilmer after his career best performance playing another rock and roll legend, Jim Morrison in The Doors, the Oliver right. Stone movie. And yet we never really see his face, but we hear the voice and you clearly know it's Val Kilmer. And it clearly, you know, reminiscent, you know, mm. of Elvis. There's no mistaking that. No, so yeah, he got the voice down yep. right, and but you know it's Val Kilmer even without seeing him. Yep. Yeah. So, um, which may be intentional to some point because if it, if oh, absolutely, didn't, yeah. If you didn't know it was Val Kilmer, then why have Val Kilmer in it? You know, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Uh, no, it, that it was. Yeah, anyway. I think that was definitely intentional, and I. Uh, those scenes with him were good. Yeah, I mean, you there's know, only two, but he, they were good. And they're understated to the point where it's so understated you don't even see his face. Right. Exactly. So. Yet you know it's him, so you feel his presence. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. So there. Christian Slater goes and confronts Drexel um, at Drexel's, I guess, apartment. And, you know, he's having a party. Um, yeah. He he brings a gun with him. Uh, so that that's yeah that was one of the the. Um, the tips that the uh, Elvis voice gives Christian Slater is, you know, how to kill him and everything. So he brings a gun with him. Yeah. He goes to this guy's apartment. I, I found it odd that they didn't pat him down before coming in, especially since they didn't even mm. know who he was. <laughs> um, yeah. But they didn't. And um, I guess they thought a dorky-looking white guy. I don't know. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, who, who looks like Elvis and is wearing that. Who looks like Elvis. I think that's the first time he has the Elvis glasses on too. And I was like, man, yes. he's really yeah, going those all big in. glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only other, the only people I've seen to wear those are, uh, Elvis and Andrew Dice Clay when he's doing. Yes, Elvis, exactly. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, he confronts Drexel. It's a great scene, great dialogue, mm. great Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Um, I, I, I thought so anyway. Um, mm. There's a there's a fight, uh, you know, it gets physical. Um, Drexel is is beating Christian Slater up um, to the point where he's you know pretty badly beaten, um, and all it take oh they 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 take his license from him, um, which comes up later and and as a plot point, um, mm-hmm. and then he ends up for some reason he gets distracted or some Drexel gets distracted and in that one second of distraction. He then um, shoots Drexel. Christian Slayer shoots Drexel, and uh, right, right in the uh, in the privates, and uh, you know, <laughs> then he ends up you know shooting him several more times, I believe. Um, after, oh yeah, after several. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like well, he almost yeah. around. Yeah, the whole clip. <laughs> I feel like at this point, Rich, you and I are a hundred percent in agreement here because I'm going to go so far as to say I think this is the best scene in the movie. Oh, uh, it's up there for sure, yeah. Now or later. This is, I mean, when he goes to it's a very violent and tense, and it earns the right to be violent at this point, which was something that you thought unhinged didn't. Correct. I, okay. I didn't think that this violence was unwarranted at this point at, there at all. Yeah. Not even I, close. I'm, I'm very much into the movie at this point. Every time I've seen this movie, I'm always, like, glued to the screen. And I guess the factor is Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Okay? I love how he talks. Right. I mean, when you th- if you want a, or a white guy who thinks he's black, mm-hmm. he's got the dreadlocks, he's got the scar, He's got the teeth. He's got the. It's just the way he talks, the way he moves. I love the way he plays with the lamp. 
just right. using yeah. the prop, yep. using the set like a spotlight, mm-hmm. you know, like or like oh, you know, almost like a sight from a gun. I was like really just so well done, and that every time I watch this scene, this scene alone just could be a great short film, I think. Um, and Gary Oldman has said, you know, in interviews that this is one of his personal favorite roles. He took it without reading a script when he just re- they told him the description of the role. He really wanted to do it, and I mean, he really challenged himself and he transforms himself he's a true chameleon of an actor he's almost unrecognizable you look at him in this you look at him in the previous year in uh dracula and then the previous year in that in uh, as lee harvey oswald and jfk unrecognizable in each role mm-hmm. his voice his face his mannerisms just such a you know talented actor and you cannot tell he's british no after not, seeing not him in this yeah, movie no. okay i mean you think he's rastafarian or <laughs> <laughs> Correct, or or just a, a you know ghetto yeah. white guy yeah. who really like it's just, he really is so convincing, um, such a versatile actor. But what else I like about this scene is this scene. I think more than a lot of other you know we've seen a lot of love stories in our time, a lot of movies that capture or try to capture what it feels like to be in love. This scene captures how you feel when you're in love. And run across your wife or girlfriend's ex. Right. Who treated her badly. Who treated her so badly, you just wish you could do to him what Christian Slater does to Gary Oldman in this scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you love her so much and you know this guy's such a piece of crap. This is a violent fantasy scene about what we would do for the woman we love. And I I give it a lot of credit for that. And, And this is also where the movie's tone shifts. Right, because up until this point, it's kind of just like a, a generic love story. Yeah, there um, hasn't been any hasn't violence been any yet, violence or, and there. the plot isn't revealed yet until like the cocaine and the license, like you said, right, some right. objects that are going to become important to the plot are revealed here. Right, yeah. um, but up until this point, if you didn't know any better, you know, you wouldn't even know that there was going to be violence in this movie. You know, correct. Um, yeah, yeah. So it does. It, it takes a pretty drastic turn there in in terms of how the yeah. movie initially opens. And I'm hooked at this point. Right. At this point, I'm I'm all in. I'm like, all right, this is really good. Let's see what happens next. All right. So what does happen next is that um, they then, you know, uh, Christian Slater tells some random girl at the party after he kills a couple people uh, to, you know, get Alabama's things, pack them up. He wants to take mm-hmm. them. They give him a suitcase. Unknowingly, it's the suitcase full of cocaine that he, uh, Drexel, had st- taken earlier from Samuel L. Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. He brings it back to his apartment. You know, he goes, he takes it with him when he leaves. Um, that's, you know, he, he um, brings it to, um, uh, brings it back and, and they open it up and, and see what they have. So the first thing he does then is goes to uh, his, and visits his father who is, I guess it's his estranged father. Hasn't seen him in a while. Yeah. Um, and they go to his house and, and who's played by Dennis yes, Hopper played by Dennis Hopper. They go to his, his trailer, I guess it is, you know, he lives in a little yeah. camper type thing. Um, and, yeah. and they, they need help. Um, they want to, they don't tell him about the cocaine. Um, but they tell him about, you know, he, he tells his dad that he killed people and once his dad is an ex cop. So he wants his dad to, to talk to his old buddies and see if, you know, he, he, if they have an inkling that it was him or if it, or if they think it was gang violence or what, um, mm-hmm. so dad does look into it. 
he tells them, you know, they're not looking into it much. They think it was mob related. And, you know, basically he's in the clear. He tells dad that they're going to California um, as on a honeymoon, um, you know, takes the uh, he leaves his dad the address and they, they get out of there. And that's where we see we have a scene where we meet Michael Rappaport uh, auditioning for a part that I think is supposed to be opposite Shatner in a T.J. Hooker reboot of some sort. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. There's a quick yeah, so scene that all happens. So a quick scene where we meet him in a horrible audition. A horrible it's audition. Really he he's <laughs> on it. He's on the audition for maybe twenty seconds before he's sent on his way. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not. But, very but good later in the movie, time. doesn't don't you find out he gets the part? I think so. Yeah. Or somehow, or they just keep talking about the part. Yeah. I know that. I, think they I don't say, know if yeah, he I think actually he gets, gets a call that he yeah. gets the part that he got the part, yeah. um, which is yeah, funny but because he's so bad. I mean, also, it's worth mentioning that Alabama thinks that you know what Christian Slater did was so romantic. She's so happy. Oh, she's she's um, fully uh, into him. Yeah. Um, and like we said before, this is Dennis Hopper at his most sincere, uh, complete opposite of Speed and Waterworld and the villains he would become synonymous with playing throughout the rest of the 1990s. So, very, and he, he does a good job in, in his few scenes in this movie. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so Dennis Hopper's character finds out that they, that, you know, this mob guy, Blue Lou, I think his name was, um, he's the mm-hmm. person that they think was the person that, you know, did the killing of Drexel because of cocaine. Um, yeah. so, uh, that's pretty much, um, that's pretty much it. They, you know, like I said, so they think they're in the clear right. and they're off driving and they're going to uh, California. They stop, they call, yeah, on the phone booth and, uh, yeah, they call Michael Rappaport. Um, yeah, you know, he's the actor friend. They to, tell him they're coming to visit to him. Tell him that they're coming. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then it goes to, and they have sex in that phone, in phone booth, booth, which I yep. just thought was an awkward, weird scene. It is. Like, it kind of comes out of nowhere and, and doesn't really. Yeah, it's just, I get it. There. They're in love. And yeah, when you're first in love with someone, you're constantly having sex and, uh, just, uh, it, it was, I don't know. It didn't that just, need to be there, but it didn't really hurt anything either. But it, I agree, it wasn't. It, it wasn't that long of a funny. scene. Yeah. yeah, no, it also wasn't that long. But I always remember that scene standing out. In yeah. My head, so, yeah. Um. So then, now you're introduced to Christopher Walken's character. Ah. He yes. is then the a, next scene. Yeah, he's he's a, a mob one, boss. Yeah. He comes in with his his you know henchmen, and he goes into. They go to d- visit Dennis Hopper's uh, Dennis Hopper um, because they're looking for. Um, Christian Slater's character because when I mentioned that his license was taken from him at Drexel's apartment, well, the idiot never got it back and it was left there. So the mob has a lead and their lead. Now they find out, you know, so they, they find out who his father is. They go to him and, and try to figure out um, where Christian Slater is. Dennis Hopper doesn't tell them, you know, they try a little torture. They cut his hand. Um, uh, punches him in the face pretty hard. The yeah, the violence feels brutal. Like I, I'll say, uh, I definitely not up you know, to this point it didn't. It, 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 it still fit into me for me. Well, it, at this point, I, well, yeah, I felt. I'll, bad t- for I'll Dennis tell you Hopper. where it changed, where it shifted. Okay, yeah, for me, I felt bad for Dennis Hopper during this scene, even though I think he knew what was going to happen, and we kind of realized what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, well, he definitely knew shortly after he does, or around the same time. Yeah, he, I, I, when they cut his hand, when he punched him in the face and gave him the handkerchief, I was like, oh, that that had to hurt. Yeah, that's that's when you knew you know things aren't going to go well. But then once he does that speech about what you know the, the origin of Sicilians, that's when he and that's one of the most famous. Yes 
scenes from this movie. Yes. So you've had I've seen shirts that say it's a long scene with Hopper and Walken uh-huh. and the soliloquy that uh, Dennis Hopper says about Sicilians being half Negro, half you know, right. of African descent, uh, and he goes, "You're an eggplant, and you're a cantaloupe." I've seen shirts with Christopher Walken's face saying, "You're a cantaloupe." Okay, there. I've never so, seen those yeah. shirts, and if I did, I probably okay. didn't know what they meant. But now I do. <laughs> you're yeah. like, I don't get it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, but it's it's a. Walken is great as always in his one scene, like we said. Even when he he pops up, he was in Geely for crying out loud. Okay, he was probably <laughs> the best part of that horrible movie. Uh, from what I recall, yeah. the movie was awful. But anyway, um, you know. But the problem is after that scene, you know, happens and there's explosive violence and it has a you know tragic end to it. It it doesn't fit in with anything else. It doesn't really go anywhere or serve any purpose except to show that. Maybe that the, these two young lovers are now in danger. Uh, what did you think of the scene where it fits in the film? I, I guess obviously you love the scene as much as I do, or you at least appreciate and respect the talent and the, the way the scene is composed. But then afterwards, how did it leave you? How did you feel? It left me wanting more Christopher Walken, and I was upset to, to find out that he was not in it any further. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit of a letdown. Um, I mean, the scene, I think the scene fits in fine. Like you said, the purpose of the scene is to let you know that, all right, the mob guys are in on this. They know what they know what happened and they're coming after Christian Slater because up until that point, you don't know that. Um, So and and that they're dangerous. You know, they're they're ruthless. They're they're going to kill. You know, they're they're ready to kill for the amount of they killed drugs. Dennis Hopper and they were going to kill Dennis Hopper even if he told him right away. They're going to L.A. This is the the friend. This is the address. This is the phone number. They still were going to kill him. He was dead no matter Uh, what. He knew that. So that's why he, 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 he went out the way he did. Um, yeah. Then, then a, a lot of use of the N word here. Another Tarantino signature. Yes, definitely. And it, yeah. I mean that this whole scene. If I didn't know any better, I would be like, Quentin Tarantino has to be involved in this scene. At least that scene. You know what I mean? Like that. In that scene in particular, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Would, because it, it feels like the. I guess because Christopher Walken, it feels a little like the Pulp Fiction scene. Uh, the dialogue um, and the characters. So yeah, the dialogue, the characters. Yeah. Um, and of course, what does um, Dennis Hopper besides? calling them the n-word what does dennis hopper say or call the the uh africans that you know ransacked and ravaged and took over uh sicily the moors <laughs> there you go it's the moops, the moops. card says <laughs> once moops. again i think we've got more seinfeld references on this than we do david lynch or star trek or anything else yeah. <laughs> so, i couldn't make a yeah. seinfeld actor connection here but the that definitely when he kept saying the moors he said it multiple times the moors he I says the moors multiple times yeah. and that's who they were okay the moors they invaded spain they, they right. you know they went across the mediterranean from africa into europe and yeah they invaded sicily and, 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 and know, i just kept thinking yeah. the card says moops <laughs> it's the moops <laughs> i love that uh yeah i really want to watch that bubble boy scene now yeah. uh but uh the bubble boy episode with uh from seinfeld but yes i i wrote that down that i had to mention the moops yep definitely so. all right so good scene but i see it left me empty afterwards because then it feels like it yes i know it belongs and i stated why it belongs but i also feel just like tonally i feel like Maybe it looked like Tarantino came in and guest directed that scene, and then we go back to the other scenes that feel like they're directed by somebody else. 
it didn't fit. It didn't. And there's other scenes in this movie that I, I'll be calling them out for that, where they're great, but they just don't quite fit in. And I, I don't know. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we'll we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, doesn't work to a for point. Me. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, so then, um, you know, then you meet Brad Pitt's character. His name is Floyd, because um, they uh, Christian Slater and, and um, Rosanna Arquette. Rosanna Arquette, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They there's so many Arquettes. I know, I'm like, yeah, yeah I the right one, right? Um, also, Courtney Cox Arquette. Yeah. Uh, so they they make <laughs> you it, mentioned friends. Yeah, they make it to L.A. Um, they like I said, you are introduced to Brad Pitt, who is uh, his name is Floyd. He's Michael Rapaport's stoner roommate. Um, Christian Slater's his role now is to sell the cocaine. Um, there's a good conversation I think with him and Michael Rapaport about how that how it's not easy to do that. Um, I, I thought that was a good dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. Then you uh, you know he says, "All right, well I do know somebody that maybe will do it. Uh, this guy uh, who's an actor, and that's where you meet Bronson Pinchot." Um, mm-hmm. he, he can, you know, he usually buys it for a big time producer who is Saul Rubinek. Um, so they have to meet Bronson Pinchot. Um, he kept talking, you know, he's the slang he keeps using is, you know, selling cola. He, instead of calling it Coke, um, he calls it cola. Right. Um, they go to an amusement park and there's the scene on the roller coaster. What did you think of that? Well, before we talk about that, I want to talk about Brad Pitt as Floyd, the burnout roommate. Okay. Um, we both talked about how good he was, and this is the first time we meet him. And it's like, first of all, Brad Pitt, you know, one of the you know mm-hmm. more glamorous, sexy Hollywood stars, and he's just sitting there on the couch like a bum. Yeah, you don't. But you allegedly, don't. Allegedly, yeah, you don't get to see his body in this movie or anything like. No, that. Is, no, this is not Fight Club no. where he's showing off his physique, okay, or anything like that. Um, Allegedly, he really liked playing this role and said this is one of his favorite roles. And he said allegedly because this is what he's like in real life. He allegedly just smokes a ton of weed. He's like Bill Murray, I guess. Or uh, Woody Harrelson. He's just a chill, laid back. He's just like sitting on the couch. And I think allegedly that's one of the reasons why he and Angelina Jolie... Um, split up because he just wanted to sit around and smoke weed all the time Uh, or something I think that was something that happened and also when they're driving to see him and they're with uh, Michael Rappaport they're playing Aerosmith uh, the song Other Side in the background Mm -hmm. the whole time worth mentioning and this is where they mention yeah Star Trek references because Tarantino does like Star Trek and Shatner and Captain Kirk and that whole thing right Um, so I I thought those scenes were all right this is let's see where this is going because once it gets to California the mood the tone really shifts yeah definitely and I I don't know how I feel because it's it's just not a consistent shift or whatever well so here the plot is really established that he wants to sell the cocaine go on i was gonna say it's not consistent because christian slater's character goes from being a nerdy comic book guy to a drug dealer fairly quickly and fairly without one of the greatest compliments i can give breaking bad is that breaking bad Mm. the tv show is that you know it's two people that have no business doing what they're doing in terms of you know being in this drug world and trying to be, you know, somewhat kingpins in this drug world, 
and right. it shows that they don't belong there. They make lots of mistakes. Right. They even the the characters themselves. I think Walt at one point says, you know, every time this mm. whole thing, it's been one step forward, two steps back because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Meanwhile, right. Christian Slater just fits right into the world of drug dealing. I feel like you know he's instantly and, and, and it took Walter White and uh, Jesse six, six however many seasons right. it was exactly. to finally and they still you know, obviously we know you know how that ends. It doesn't work right. out uh, for them, but to finally get all to almost. Perform Affect it. It took them six years. Right. So that's a good point. I didn't think of Breaking Bad when I was watching. I didn't this. either. I just thought of way, it now. <laughs> way before Breaking Bad, and people had thought about you know establishing characters like that. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. But the plot here is finally established. That he wants to sell the cocaine. We meet the Bronson Pinchot at the amusement park. Yeah, you are turning your body into an amusement park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they discuss the deal on the roller coaster. I liked it because it was a unique setting. If you want to talk about drugs, if they're going to microphone you or if they're going to something, if you're going right. to do a drug deal, I can't think of there's few better places to really have a conversation about that than the roller coaster. I thought it was well shot, well edited. I thought it was a good sequence. I thought it made an otherwise standard what could have been boring, you know, setup exposition stand out a little yeah, bit. And so I, I didn't I did like that scene more than most others and and you know it was funny because he was you, you could see Bronson Pinchot getting progressively more nauseous uh, as the ride went and on. allegedly that was real allegedly he's not oh, a okay. uh, roller coaster yeah because he, he did yeah, a good so. job <laughs> acting like he was yeah. getting sick yes um, yeah so allegedly that might not have been acting yeah, yeah. so then he calls uh, you know Saul Rubinex the producer and tells him you know I, I think you know you should do this uh, basically Christian Slater's selling point is you know it's it's 500 grand worth of coke and I'll sell it to you for 200 grand because he just wants the big lump sum of money right. he doesn't he doesn't want to nickel yeah. and dime yeah. it and and take forever to sell the stuff which is what michael right. rapaport says he can do um with people he knows um but christian slater just wants to get rid of it he wants it all out he wants the big chunk of change and so he's selling it at a, at a good discount um and i guess mm. that gets bronson pinchot's ear and and gets to the producer uh, saul rubinek and they, uh, you know, they, they decide to uh, set up a meeting right. between the two. Um, yeah. Then um, Gant, James... Well, this, this, what I want to say about Sol Rubinek's character. This is where I think the movie really starts to slow down the further they get into L.A. and yeah. into the cocaine plot. They call Saul Rubinek on his car phone. Did you like the old 1990s car yep. phone? Uh, yeah, and the old Porsche I, or whatever I definitely like that, yeah. Okay, um... And Tony Scott directed Saul Rubinek. His instructions were do an impersonation of the movie producer Joel Silver. Big action producer, produced the Lethal Weapons, among okay. many other movies. They Joel Silver saw this movie, picked up right away that Saul Rubinek was supposed to be him, and he got mad at Tony Scott because they did not get along when they made... He produced the Tony Scott-directed movie Last Boy Scout okay. uh, in 1991. Did you ever see that movie? No. Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans, another really good Tony Scott action movie. Um, but allegedly, Tony Scott and Joel Silver butted heads the whole time, and I don't know if they ever worked together again, because one big action producer, big action director, and yeah, he was really mad uh, that uh, Saul Rubinek was supposed to be doing an impersonation yeah. of him. So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it does start to slow down a little bit there. Um then James Gandolfini goes to um, Michael Rappaport's house looking for Christian Slater because that's where the address was. But they had they had left, 
So Brad Pitt lets him know in his bad Brad Pitt stoner way that where mm-hmm. they are staying. So um, James Gandolfini goes there, and you know he's playing a slimy Italian at this point. You know, yeah. being very nice, but also you know that he's you know out to you know kill basically. Um, Did you notice what movie Brad Pitt was watching when James Gandolfini uh, shows up? Wasn't it a kung fu movie? No, it was Free Jack. With it's an uh, action movie with uh, Mick Jagger. No, I didn't and, notice. Uh, that. Anthony Hopkins and Emilio Estevez, and I oh, like when yeah, Mick yeah, Jagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did when uh, okay when um, when James Gandolfini walks away. Brad Pitt sort of. <laughs> I think one of his best lines is "Don't condescend me, man," or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something about condescending. Uh, was, yeah, yeah. It's and it's once again, this movie feels like a series of good scenes that do not build on each other and amount to enter, an entertaining feature. So, and also at this point, we're noticing a lot of payphones, pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Okay, they mentioned the Mac. They mentioned, you know, a lot of other things. Uh, nothing really exciting about the script, you know, is is bringing me into this movie. So there was a funny miscommunication between Bronson Pinchot and Saul Rubinek when it was really loud. Did you remember that? No. So, yes. I, I don't remember it, but I remember laughing. It was funny, but... Okay, yeah, there was why. a very funny... Okay, uh, it involves... Uh, euphemism, another word for, for penis, but it was funny. Yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. it was like, you want me to do this? No, uh, I said... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that was a funny scene that was worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So there are a few funny moments here. There are. Um, but now we're up to Gandolfini, and I guess we're up to where Gandolfini goes to their hotel room. Yep, and Patricia, Patricia Arquette comes home... Um, and he's and he's, he's, just he's in the, he's sitting yeah. in the hotel room. Um, meanwhile, Christian Slater went out to get lunch, so yeah. she's you know alone with him. And this is where the violence was too much for me. Um, I I, I it was I don't know if it was the director's cut and that had something to do with it or not, but just the the beating of her. And throwing her through the through, when she went through yeah. the glass shower, that's when I was like, "All yeah. right, this is this yeah. is enough." Like, I, and I agree with you. Unlike Unhinged, or maybe mm-hmm. some other movies, okay, I agree with you. This is, uh, yeah, Gandolfini. You know, he meets Patricia Arquette. He's ready for. He's got the shotgun yep. there, and he beats the hell out mm-hmm. of her. Allegedly, from what I read, this scene took five days to shoot. Yeah, that's brutal. Why do you need five days of just James Gandolfini? And James Gandolfini hated shooting it because it involved him brutally beating and repeatedly hitting a woman. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like doing it, but he wasn't Tony Soprano yet. He was just an actor, and this was a job. And it was probably one of the more high-profile jobs he had at this point. So he just was going to... did what he was told. But he hated shooting this scene. And it... uh, Five days? I hated watching this Okay. Scene. Yeah, five days? That took them f- the two of them five days to do that? Are you kidding me? I remember you freaking out when I told you it took them like two and a half, three years to shoot Eyes Wide Shut. I'm yeah. more weirded out that this took more than one day well, or one afternoon, four hours. It was just unnecessary. <laughs> they could have gotten the point across without needing to be as brutal as it was. Um, and yeah, and I'm guessing somewhere in that scene lies the or some of the the moments that are probably in the director's cut. But from seeing the theatrical cut, I don't. It's not. Oh my god, so much more violent. It's still violent. Yeah. Okay. Either way, either version you watch, maybe there's just a little bit more. Blood. Blood 
in this one. I don't know exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, but, it's yeah, they're, it's they're, an ugly scene. Um, you know, she very, she gets yeah, very she gets ugly. beat up pretty well, but then ends up, um, and even the way she she gets him, the whole corkscrew through the shoe thing. I, I don't know. I, yeah, that was just silly. silly. He's like, "I'll let you have a hit. Come on, you're tough. Yeah, you're a good kid. Just, I'll let you have it." Yeah. It was like real, and then she does that, and the scene is so over long and overly violent. Yeah, I agree. And this is almost always what you said. I agree with you a hundred percent so far with where we are at with this movie. This is almost always. I've seen this before. You hadn't seen it before, but this is the point where I tune out. I do not get the love for this movie from this point on. I get that this is a metaphor for love mm-hmm. and that relationships are hard, but my God, this is so unpleasant to watch. Yep, it, so. it definitely. Um, but then it does cut to the next scene, which is kind of pleasant, funny, so is, silly So is the next scene. scene when Bronson Pinchot gets pulled over with the cocaine? And yes, okay, he was getting roadhead before yeah. that, and yeah, we realized that. Um, and, and the girl he's with won't hide it, so she then, you know, he keeps telling her to hide it, and somehow the, the bag pops and the cocaine goes she all over. She smacks him, yeah. and the bag pops, and that's right as the cop comes over. And, yes, and how the cocaine very, is all very over funny. his face. Yeah. Um, so now he gets yeah. pulled in, and he tells right. the cops that are, that are t- interrogating him the fictitious story that... uh, Christian Slater told him prior to that, which was how he got the cocaine, which is that it was a a dirty cop, uh, took it from an evidence room and wants him to sell it. So, you know, he tells the cops that thinking that that's the truth when really we, we know the truth. That's not how he got it. Um, right. and, uh, so now the cops are like, Oh, we got a big, we got a big, uh, a, a big bust here. We got a, you know, we're going to get a dirty cop. And, 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 you know, and, the, the, and this is where we meet Tom Sizemore yeah. as the DEA agent and his partner, Chris Penn and Ed Lauder as their chief. Right. And so they're all excited about this. Meanwhile, the whole story is made up. Um, but yeah. they, you know, they, they are going to, um, make Bronson Pinchot wear a wire and they're going to, yep. they're going to be, you know, in a hotel room and they're going to be in the next room and, you know, right. it's a whole it's a whole big sting operation. Yeah, they use Bronson Pinchot as a setup for Clarence right. to arrest them all for selling cocaine, like it's going to be this big bust. Correct. Um, that so then you know they they uh, Christian Slater goes to well first of all he you know he he comes back he he sees Rosanna Arquette, um, you know Alabama his his girlfriend or wife now, uh, you know he sees her you know injured you know they they you know he helps you know get her fixed up and everything he feels terrible um so then they um you know they they end up going together um they make up the reason why she looks so beat up uh, i think they say she's playing basketball or something playing basketball yeah Um, and everyone's like yeah right (laughs) they say it like three times and whoever they say it to that you could michael rapaport doesn't yeah no one believes it bronson pinchot they're all like okay yeah um (laughs) you're a wife beater is what they're thinking exactly because he looks terrible (laughs) Uh, she yeah. looks terrible. I mean, um, yeah. So then they 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 go in the elevator, and then Christian Slater out of nowhere stops the elevator, pulls a gun out, um, and starts saying, you know, what do you what's waiting for us when we get up that elevator? What's waiting for us? Bronson Pinchot starts freaking out, saying he wishes someone would come in and save him. Basically, he's talking to the cops um because right. he's wired um but obviously you know the cops aren't going in the cops are are laughing having a you know <laughs> thinking it's the funniest yeah. thing then they're like oh wait uh, he might actually kill this guy you know and then oh no he's not gonna kill him like it's so nonchalant meanwhile bronson Pinchot yeah. is basically you know peeing in his pants um yeah, yeah, yeah. again 
Christian Slater, who the nerd who works in a comic book store, knows enough to do all of this. You know what I mean? Like, I just wasn't really buying that. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. I, it, it didn't feel as intense as it should. Okay. Right. I re- it's very pseudo intense, right. the scene in the elevator. And it wasn't funny. I mean, I've seen no, funnier scenes with violence and guns and, you know, with it, you know, serious situations that could be humorous. This just wasn't intense. It just, this scene felt tedious, like it was trying to be intense. I don't know if that's Christian Slater's fault or I, I, I don't know, but it didn't work. I, this it, scene really didn't work. And from this point on, a lot of the scenes that are going to come just don't work so we're past all the the greatest hits of this movie it's this is like an album track Mm -hmm. and we've passed the four or five best songs on the album and now there's like three or four songs left and they're kind of just filler that i would just skip over (laughs) you know that's what this movie feels like at this point um so i i I don't agree with that 100 percent. i did think the scene in the elevator was um it was uh, thrilling. I, I didn't know where that was going. Mm. I wasn't really buying okay. it in terms of Christian Slater doing that and, and knowing to even do that. Uh, to me, okay. it would make more sense if his character didn't even think to do that because who the hell is, you know, who is he to <laughs> even know what he's doing? Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And why should he know what he's doing, you know? Um, but anyway... Uh, so then they, you know, they they then resume the elevator. They go up. They meet uh, Saul Rubinek's character. I thought the scenes in the, with him were good. Um, I, I I was I was I, I was interested. I mean, I didn't even really take many notes from from here on out because there was just first of all there was, there was just so much going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now there's just so much yeah, going exactly. on. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I was interested in in it, you know the dialogue. I was waiting to see if somebody slipped up or there was a mistake or um, something like that. You know, Saul Rubinek's character has a couple bodyguards that have, you know, semi-automatic machine guns. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I I was a little odd at the... Or not odd. I was, sorry, I was not odd. I was a little, like, confused at the part. So then, you know, eventually the cops come in. They get what they... They hear what they need to hear from Bronson Pinchot's wire. Um, they they burst in. Well, you're jumping ahead a little bit. You're, Am I? Because... There was an abrupt cut that I wanted to mention uh, to Brad Pitt smoking a bong, listening oh, to yeah, sound yeah, yeah. art and outshine. Yeah. And that's where the scene that you were talking yeah. about where you were giving Brad Pitt a lot of credit. The mobsters ask him where to find Clarence. And he's like, uh, you go that way or whatever. And then they pull out a gun. And he gets, oh, okay. Well, they, they, <laughs> he well, had, they, they, have, they all have shot or one guy has a shotgun in his hand. And yeah. he's like stumbling over how to tell them where he is or how to get yeah. there. And the guy pumps the yeah. shotgun and he, he gets right back on track. Yeah, he, um, he like straightens up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, you want to go yep. <laughs> that way? Yeah, uh, yeah so, that was funny. Um, yeah, so yeah, you you know that the mob is also going to come in to the same area. So right. everyone's going to interject at this one hotel room in the but, Beverly yeah. Wilshire or something, some fancy hotel. Um, yeah. And good comedic timing though by Brad yes, Pitt is what I want to give him credit yeah. for because he's not known as a comedic actor, but I really do think that he had good comedic s- timing in this, and he would later use those skills to much better effect in. One of my favorite Brad Pitt roles, uh, Burn After Reading. Okay. Did you ever see that, the Coen Brothers movie? Uh, only the first few minutes, and I, I didn't love it, what I saw, um, but I, I heard it's, it's good. It's almost on par with Big Lebowski. It's a few notches below yeah. that uh, in terms of Coen Brothers. So, once again, 
a good scene, the scene with Brad Pitt, really good scene that stands alone, episodic, does not feel like a complete movie. Even though, yes, it's moving the plot along, so now we know the mobsters are all, you know, going to end up at that hotel. Right. With the cops. Yep. And the drug dealers and Clarence and everybody that we've been following. Right. Yeah, so. so, the you know, eventually the cops burst into the hotel room, they get what they need. Uh, they hear what they need and think that it's time to go in. Yet the the producers, two bodyguards, don't back down to the police, which I thought was odd. Um, who you know? Why would? Who yeah. are they to not? You know, like I don't know. Well, I, I, know. I mean, they don't want to go to jail. They don't want to. Well, you know, they're probably though. getting paid a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but either way. So I I mean, there's yeah, yeah. I guess I mean I don't know. The, the, you got a lot of talking, and it's not compelling. But we do see Kilmer's Elvis again prior to the shootout that you're talking. Well, about. Well, I didn't get to the shootout so. yet. So, you oh, know, the cops okay. come in, but, and also there's a lot of product placement. Did you notice that in this movie? Um, no, not really. Here's why I noticed it, maybe because I know Tarantino abhors product placement yeah. and refuses to have it in his movies. He directs, so he made up brands like the Big Kahuna Burger, Red right. Apple Cigarettes, right. Jack Rabbit Slims. Here, you saw YooHoo, you saw Planters Peanuts, oh, okay. a lot of Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was a lot of uh, product placement at this point in the movie that was like, wow, that's you know, Tarantino must hate that he loves this movie. He thinks he he gives Tony Scott all the credit right. in the world. He picked him. He was happy he was directing this movie. He sold this script, I think, so he could make Pulp Fiction and stuff. But, um, yeah, he would not have approved of the uh, product place. Gotcha. Sure he doesn't. So. Um, yeah, and then, um, you know, the cops are in there, and then the mob guys show up, and um, now, you know, now you have, so you have the, the, the Saul Rubinek's bodyguards, you have the cops, you have the mobsters, everyone's at once. Um, and this idiot Bronson Pinchot's character says, uh, basically gives himself up that he was the that he was the one wearing the wire, yeah. and he wants the, the cops to. He's like, uh, "Can I leave now? Since you know my part's done here." Um, and you know that yeah. that tips him off, and then that leads to a giant shootout um, right. where basically everyone dies. Um, at, at, basically, yeah. yeah. And once again, like Reservoir Dogs, okay, it's a Mexican standoff. Mm -hmm. Tarantino does this in a lot of his movies. Yep. Okay, in the climax, okay, and this time it's between the cops and the mobsters and the producer's bodyguards all shouting at each other, all pointing guns mm -hmm. at each other. You know, it's just a lot of talking and it's not very compelling at this point. I'm not really, yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot I'm of, just, well, but, so at this point, Christian Slater's character is in the bathroom. He's meeting, he, you know, he's getting the, the Elvis voices again. Elvis again, um, yep. I don't even re really remember uh, what Elvis was telling him this time. Basically, that he's doing the right thing, I think, right? Yeah, something like that. You're doing a good job kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was just, you know, this is where the second hour, it just turns into just a lot of violence and shouting. And I feel yeah. like that's all there really is to this movie at this point. Um, so he gets out of the bathroom. He gets clipped by a bullet. Everyone's getting shot. Everyone dies. Um, Patricia Arquette does not die. Um, Michael Rappaport escapes. He runs off. Um, so he, he yeah. lives... Um, you think Christian Slater's dead. Um, all the cops end up dying one way or another. Um, yeah. A lot of violence, a lot of gunshot squibs going off. <laughs> yeah, a lot of squibs, no CGI, so I guess I like it yeah. for that. But it feels never ended. It, it did, it did I, go I on for too long, yeah. I don't abhor violence, you know, on screen like we did. I, I liked Unhinged, okay? This just goes on with the 
gunshots and the screaming mm-hmm. and Patricia Arquette crying. I mean, it's yep. just absolute bedlam, and it's tough to tell what's going on. Like you said, I don't remember what happens to Christian Slater. I, how, you know, he ends up there with the blood on his face. I, I didn't quite get it. Yeah, so I think he was just, clipped when I don't he got know if that's poorly edited yeah. or, yeah, exactly. I think it's just a little debris hit him and knocked him out. But a very graphic But you think he's dead, and he's not, and, yeah. you know, he ends up, you know, waking up, and they, you know, she, you know, that she helps him escape. Um, yeah, Alabama picks up yep. the wounded Clarence, carries him to the car, unnoticed, mind you, after all of that. They drive away. Yeah. And, yeah. While, while cops are I, pulling I, up and, and everything. Oh, I right. found that a little hard to believe. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah. Like, so, no one's stopping this The guy. other stuff I believed up until this point. Right. Uh, so, you know, now they, you know, drive away safely, escape to a beach in Mexico with a child. And, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, they have a child. There's some narration about how, um, you know, it, 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 she says that you know if if things had been differently, she would still be end up in the same place, um, but she wouldn't have named her child Elvis or something. So you find out that yeah, the son's name was yeah. Elvis, and then they are the last shot. They're walking off into the sunset. How beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's true romance, isn't it? I mean, yeah. No, else? that's pretty much yeah. it. So. When I my my initial thoughts after seeing this movie were a lot of good scenes, but not a great movie. Uh, okay, um, and I guess that's my problem with it as well. I, it leaves me cold and empty at the end. When yeah, it could have. I know there's stuff I like, and I just don't. It could have been a lot more, and I don't know whose fault it is because it's a good writer, a good director. Definitely a good cast. I mean, right. And Christian Slater, I mean, oh, we forgot to mention, he's won acting awards. He never won an Oscar, but I'm pretty sure he won either an Emmy or something else for Mr. Robot, maybe a Golden Globe. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's not like he's not a good actor. No, but he's just, he's he's not my favorite part of this movie for sure. I, I wish you know one of the other actors that are in this movie were you know were more prevalent yeah. than he was. I agree. Um, I agree. I, overall, though, um, you know, in terms of is it a real big mistake? I'm gonna say no. It's not a real big mistake. I don't think mm. it's worth the the rating it got. Um, but I did enjoy it. I was sucked into it. I, I was, you know, the mm. violence in certain scenes is is very graphic, and I did not like those scenes, which is why I, I don't think it's worth. 92 percent or even close i would i would give it three stars though i would give it i would rate it around 75 percent um and and i I don't think it's a real big mistake i think there's enough good scenes that it's worth a watch um however like you said and like i agree um it's a lot of good scenes but put together don't make a great movie um, wow. makes it, it makes I, I suggested movie, a movie a that movie. you liked more than me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you don't you don't hate this movie, and I didn't hate this movie either. I don't think it's ninety two percent, and I would never. I, I don't. Again, I've only seen this once, so maybe if I watch it more, I'd feel differently. But I didn't love this movie. Um, but mm. I, I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was good. Um, I, I, you know, there were times where I didn't like the violence, um, but it wasn't non-stop throughout the movie that it completely turned me off and and in the very beginning when there was violence uh it felt warranted and i didn't think it was over the top especially the scene with gary Oldman. Yeah. yes and so. yeah exactly great scenes so there was enough to keep me in just when i started fading out 
a, uh, there would be a good scene and I could pull back in. You know what I mean? Ah, it was okay. it was almost <laughs> like there were commercial breaks. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. You're like, all right, I know I could go to the bathroom. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Okay. If you watch it again, you'll be more maybe mentally prepared <laughs> to right. figure it out. Okay. Do you think Kristen would like this movie? No. Okay. No, I don't think this right. is Kristen's kind of movie. And I don't, I, I, yeah. And, and if anyone that, that, you know, it's, it's not, although you can call it a love story and I guess it's a metaphor for love. It's not, it's yeah. not a romantic comedy or not a romantic it's a movie. violent love yeah, story. It's, yeah. It's I... not your traditional, uh, love story. It's, you know, the title is a little deceiving, I think. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. although I guess it's a true romance because it's, yeah, I guess so. Cause romance is bloody and messy yeah, and it, it's not always torturous yeah, and exactly. yeah, it's not always perfect. I guess that's what they're going for. Right. So. It's, not a, it's uh, not a romantic comedy. Yeah. That's, you know, fake romance. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you didn't hate this movie. I'm glad I didn't waste your time. I'm glad you found it worth watching and isn't a real big mistake. Uh, for so uh, for that, that's uh, that, that's. So, what about good, you? Was your opinion changed at all after a fourth time? No, not no, at all. Cemented. This movie is more. It's I felt the same way every time. So, no, nothing's going to change. I've watched it, you know, younger, you know, and older now with more life experience. I get what this movie's going for. And it just doesn't quite nail and I, it. And I was going to say, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, if I okay. saw this movie in college, I would probably like it more than I than seeing it at you know, the age I'm at now. Okay. See, and I saw it in high school and college, and I didn't love it. And I just, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't phase me. It doesn't, nothing, yeah. Nothing has changed, okay? Unlike Fletch, where eventually you kept quoting it, and I'm like, wow, this is really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this movie is a lonely Gen X guy's wet dream. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. It's an overly violent and unpleasant movie. A beautiful woman lands in your lap and wants no other man but you. Uh, it, there's no subtlety, subtlety to this no. movie. It's just a pathetic man's fantasy is what it is good for him good for him for getting it made good for all those people that like it i just either see past it or i have a different fantasy (laughs) than these Mm -hmm. men do okay i'm not sure yes i get how it's a metaphor for love but i there's a movie that captures like the pain that comes with being in love did you ever see the adam sandler movie punch drunk love no i have not I, i am very aware of it but i have not I'm very aware of it. Okay, that might be, if you had to ask what movie captures, like, the good and the bad of what it feels like to be in love, I would say Punch Drunk Love captures it more than this film or more than any other film. Because it's always, it's messy, you know? It's not always, you know, the, you know, Disney movie or always the, you know, Meg Ryan happy romantic comedy. There's a lot of tough things that you know couples and people and outside influences you got to work things out you know mm-hmm. um that'll try to keep you apart or you know put a strain on it but then you, you if you really love each other you come back together so this movie i saw what it was going for and it just didn't work for me as well as some other movies um there are references to other tarantino movies did you do you know any of the references that this movie I, I believe Alabama other... either was going to be or was mentioned in Reservoir Dogs. 
She was mentioned in Reservoir yeah. Dogs in Harvey Keitel's flashback scene right. uh, that he was seeing her or something like that. And there's some reference to there's an army officer in Inglorious Bastards with a long Italian name. It might be Christopher Walken's character. Oh, name. yeah. Um, um, Walkowitz or something, right? Or something. There's someone's name, something like that, that ties in Walkowitz. That's a. Okay, I don't remember. Maybe not. <laughs> that does. That one doesn't sound right, but yeah. Um, there's someone, uh, someone's name in Inglorious Bastards, and Tarantino has confirmed, yes, that's a ancestor of someone in uh, True Romance. So he did that okay. part of his Tarantino movie verse that he has. Because all yeah. of Tarantino's movies, he's said this, he's confirmed it, they all take place in the same universe. So, uh, meanwhile, I mean, I've seen other movies about, you know, young lovers on, on the run, you know, committing crimes. I'd rather watch Bonnie and Clyde. I'd rather watch David Lynch's Wild at Heart with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. Mm -hmm. I'd rather watch Natural Born Killers from a script by, uh... Quentin Tarantino that he you know he has disowned that movie Oliver Stone put more of his stamp on that but I really like Natural Born Killers all stories about lovers who hit the road commit crimes the law is after them other forces are after them trying to keep them apart um, so they're all sort of weird bizarre violent road movies and love stories uh, I and I prefer all of those movies to this. I don't hate this movie. Like I said, I think it's an interesting failure. It ultimately fails for me, but uh, it, it has enough good scenes where I don't mind revisiting it again. Uh, I, I can um, see that. I sta- yeah, I stand by that this is a real big mistake, and I do not get all the hype and adoration surrounding this film. Obviously, I never have, and I never will. Uh, yeah, fourth time watching it in the past 20 or 20-plus 20 years. And I still feel the same way. So True Romance is going to just remain a real big mistake. I don't hate it, but I would say it's about a two, two and a half star tops okay. movie. So, All right. Yeah. Well, that does it for True Romance then. Um, glad I saw it. Uh, and, and, you know, it's one of those, I, I don't know how soon I'll rewatch it again. Um, mm. you know, you think you gotta be in the right mind, uh, right mindset and right mood to, yeah. to watch that movie. Um, but I am glad I saw it. Glad to see T- Tarantino's early work. I wish there was a version of this that Tarantino directed. I am sure it would, be, yeah. I have a feeling it would be better. Um, but it was good to see it. Especially as, Tarantino now. Right. Maybe yeah. not Tarantino then, but Tarantino now with the clout that he has. Yeah, I'm sure it... It would be good, but once again, I mean, I've mentioned Tony Scott many times, and I do like Tony Scott. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And normally he does good action, but I guess I feel like the action scenes were, you know, kind of the problem. They weren't. I know, agree. I wasn't that yeah. big on the action scenes, um, personally. Yeah. But you know, great, great Tarantino dialogue, and you know, good to see. Um, you know, good to have more Tarantino to you know for me to reference and and to be aware of. So. Um, yeah, so that, that's it for the True Romance. Um, so Jay thinks it's a real big mistake. I do not. Um, I don't. I think the critics, or at least the Rotten Tomatoes score, is, is, is high. Um, I mean, there's, there are movies that I think are much better than this that aren't in the 90s. So... Um, yeah, I mean, this is like best of the decade type numbers right, exactly. here. Okay, exactly. yeah. I, uh, I mean, and maybe there are some people I know that love it, you know, as much as Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or even more so. I... 
I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've I, never I don't, and it. I don't know that further watchings of this movie would change my mind. Although, or not change my mind, but make me like it more. Maybe, but I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that that does it for True Romance. All right. I, I liked your analogy about um, about uh, bathroom breaks. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. All right, now you can go to the bathroom. You got three minutes till something really good yeah, happens. Yeah, until the next scene that pulls you back in. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so um, that does it for this one. So uh, next week it's our last episode of the season, uh, taking the summer off. So uh, it's my pick, right? You picked the first movie, so I'm it is. picking yep. the last you get movie. Last licks here. Yeah. All right, I am going. Usually, my movies are just whatever I feel like watching at the time, or whatever I think of would be, you know, something I feel like I want to watch. Um, in this case, I'm. I'm. My movie is somewhat themed to the time of year. Um, we're going. Okay. We're going back to 1986. Oh boy, this is our third or fourth third movie or from 1986. 1986 was a big year. Um, we are going back to 1986 and our final movie before the summer is one crazy summer. I was about to guess one crazy <laughs> summer. Cause you've mentioned that a few times and I like that movie, but I know you like that movie a lot more and I'm guessing critics do not. No, it is. It is rotten. Um, I don't remember the score off the top of my head, but I remember, I know it's rotten. So it does fit the bill for, for our podcast. So, um, okay. although I, I, it is directed by the same person that directed um, Better Off Dead and has a lot better of same cast. Dead, yeah. um, and, and I mm-hmm. think that's a better movie, but unfortunately that movie is not rotten. So, uh, Oh, really? I was going to say save that for snow or yeah, ski season no, in the wintertime. I, I would have done maybe, it already. But that's, <laughs> better Off Dead is not rotten and One Crazy Summer is. I do feel like Better Off Dead is the best. I, I agree. And, from what and I remember. like I said, if, if I would have already done Better Off Dead at this point, if, if, if it, it was, was rotten. rotten. So, okay. Um, and John Cusack hates both of those movies, according to what Yeah, we'll said. talk more about that next week. That'll be next week. Yep. All right. So we'll sign off here. Yep. Uh, I am Rich Tola. Uh, you can find us on at Real Big Mistakes on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and. Um, R- it's at R-E-E-L Big Mistakes and uh, you know if you like our podcast please uh, take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if that is uh, something you have access to yeah. and I'm Jason Konigsberg of com. you can find all my podcasts movie reviews, articles everything at www.panandslam.com follow me on Twitter Jason K. Critic And live long, prosper, and watch movies. All right, thanks for hanging with us.